Sermon 31 of the Sermons upon the Epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians by John Calvin, translated by Arthur Golding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your anger, neither give ye place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but let him rather labour, working with his hands in the thing that is good, that he may have to give unto him that needeth. We saw the last Sunday that if every of us looked well to himself and to his own vices, we should have enough wherewith to stay our chafing and choler from wreaking our wrath upon such as offend us. For we be so wayward of ourselves already, that a small thing will put us out of patience, and therefore the fault that another man commits against us, be it never so little, will always set us in a chafe. And why? because we take too much leisure to look upon other men's faults, and in the meanwhile forget our own. The remedy, then, which is set us down here, to keep us from being so soon and so lily offended at other men's faults, is that every of us enter into himself and vex and chase himself there, when he sees himself so wretched as all of us are. Now after that St. Paul have showed that it were much better, and more of our behoof, to be grieved at our own vices than at every small occasion when men behave not themselves to our liking. He addeth thereunto, let not the sun go down upon your anger. We must not understand by this that St. Paul meant to acquit such as are soon angry and soon appeased, for it is a vice worthy of blame. And although it be more excusable than the feeding of a displeasure which turneth to rancor or hatred, yet notwithstanding, we cannot be so soon pacified but that we shall have offended God already with our collar. For we heard what is said even by the mouth of our Lord Jesus Christ, namely, that if we show any sign of displeasure at all, and it be as it were but by grunting between the teeth, we be already in danger of hellfire before God. We shall not need to have given any blow, nor to have done any open wrong whereby we might be brought before a justice, if we have but only offended so far as to have conceived any pritch, there is no excuse for us. And therefore, when St. Paul forbiddeth us to feed our anger, he doth not utterly justify them that are gentle and easy to be reconciled, and will soon forgive, for they be blameworthy already, as I said afore. But he proceedeth here by degrees, as if he should say, My friends, if every of us thought upon his own sins, it is certain that we should be moved to mislike of ourselves, because we provoke God's wrath against us. And he that hath a lively feeling of his own faults will arm himself therewith against himself. For we ought to have a zeal to Godward, as though we were his attorneys, and that zeal ought to procure us to condemn evil wheresoever we find it. But anger is always at our elbow, yea, and it dwelleth in us, so as we shall never be so perfect as were to be wished, so long as we be in this world. Yet notwithstanding, howsoever the case stand, let us beware that we suffer not ourselves to be possessed with inordinate passions. For if we conceive any heart-burning, and go to bed upon it, surely we shall be poisoned by and by, and the mischief will not be espied so easily." It is all one as if a man that felt himself already attached with infection of some disease should linger in his misery, and by all means possible eschew the physician, and run as far back from him as he possibly could, if he would offer to come to him, and afterward, when he would have remedy, it is too late, because the disease is settled, and hath so overgrown him that physic cannot stand him in any stead. Even so is it with a man that is angry, 
and continueth in it without purging of the malice from his stomach. Certainly it is as if a man had some inward and unaspied disease which groweth so strong as afterward it becometh incurable. That is the second degree which St. Paul hath set down here. First he showeth us how we may be faultless before God in respect of anger and choler, that is to wit by thinking every of us upon our own faults, to condemn them, and to be sorry for them, and to feel such anguish of mind for them, that we be as men half in a swoon. That is a holy anger, and such a one as God alloweth of. And yet, notwithstanding, forasmuch as we be overweak, if we commit a fault, at leastwise let us not double it, and though we have offended God, let it not make us to multiply choler against him, lest the devil get possession of us, and we cannot afterward abide to be brought back again into the good way, but our passions do so overmaster us as they make us to follow them without end or measure. In any wise let us beware of that. That also is the cause why he saith that we give place to the devil when the sun goeth down upon our anger. It is true that we have no sooner tripped but that devil hath already had power over us, howbeit he is bridled in such wise that, if we bethink us of our faults and amend them, God suffereth him not to hold us captive as prisoners. But when we be so far overseen as to take bridge and to like well of our own testiness, and thereupon to conceive a number of fancies to rankle inward more and more, I say if we be at that point, we have given Satan entrance, he hath taken possession of us, and afterward, it is out of time for us to wish to return, for the mischief is rooted so deep and grown so strong that medicines can not do any more good, as I have showed already. Now we see St. Paul's meaning, and therefore let us put this doctrine in your. The first point whereof is to examine well the evil that is in us, that we may be angry with ourselves, and every of us be as a foe to himself, as driven by a zeal to Godward, to hate and abhor our own vices. Let that be the first thing that we bestow our study upon, and then shall we have whereupon to occupy well our chafing and choler, and we shall be no more so hasty to take pritch against such as have done us some wrong, but we will rather bear with them that have foully offended us, because we shall have business enough to search out our own imperfections. And, as I said afore, we shall the easier bear with other men's misdealings when we perceive ourselves blameworthy so many ways, not towards mortal creatures only, but towards the living God. For what are we, that we should keep such a stir for every wrong that is done us, seeing we crave forgiveness at God's hand every day, as necessity also constraineth us, of the offences which we have committed against his majesty, and wherethrough we have broken his righteousness? The very means, therefore, to appease all wicked and excessive cholericness is that every of us be grieved and angry with himself because he sees himself subject to so many infirmities, or rather so many sins and vices. And for the second point, if we have chance to stumble and fall through frailty, that we be not so held back by the fear of God, but that we be faulty before him, let us beware that we do not harden and fold ourselves in our evil doing, but as soon as we feel any unmeasurable moving in us, let us step before it, and endeavour to repress it. Let us use violence in that behalf to subdue our passions that carry us so away, making us to skirmish so against God and our neighbours. Thus must we fight manfully to bridle all our cholericness. 
or else if any excess have escaped us, let us come back again and bethink ourselves better, and let us rid it away quickly, assuring ourselves it is as a disease that requireth speedy remedy, or else it will overgrow in such wise as all succour shall come out of season. Let us think upon it. Now if St. Paul had said no more but thus, My friends, let not the sun go down upon your anger, for if rancour do once settle, it will not be easily put away. It had been much, and that warning ought to have sufficed us. But the threat which he setteth down with it, in that he saith, Give not place to the devil, ought to make the hairs stand up upon our heads. Some indeed have expounded it to be spoken of the enemies of the faith which seek occasion of slandering it, but it is easy to be seen by the words themselves how he intended to warn us of a thing which we ought to be more afraid of, and which will scare us worse, that is to wit that the devil getteth, as it were, the mastery and dominion over us, when we feed any grudge and heart-burning against our brethren. Now then, which of us will not quake for fear when he heareth of his subjection unto Satan, as if he were in his bonds like a prisoner? And yet for all that we take no heed of the things that are told us here, for St. Paul hath uttered God's sentence, which is, that if we pursue our anger and heart-burning against such as have offended us, it is all one as if we willfully passed an obligation to Satan to be held as thralls under his tyranny. So much the more, therefore, doth it stand us on hand to bethink ourselves advisedly, that, if that vice cannot be thoroughly amended at the first brunt, we may at leastwise be well aware that it do not so settle in us as that we cannot be set at one again, or that we should pursue our quarrels, or that men should not be able to weigh with us until we have taken some revengement. Let us take heed, I say, that we enter not into such bondage of Satan, and even for that cause is it said that when men do fret and chafe after that fashion of one devil there are made twain. And why? For God is already offended at my neighbour for doing me wrong. And if I also fall to stomaching of the matter on my part, and will needs requite him with the like, the devil hath won us both. I ought to pity the soul that is after a sort stayed away already, and in the highway to perdition. I ought to seek to be at one with him again, and to salve the sore as much as is possible. Now if I also do let the reins loose, and cast myself into Satan's slavery through the cursed liberty that I take, then getteth he the upper hand of both parties. So then let us bear this threatening well in mind, whereby the Holy Ghost meant to waken us thoroughly, that every of us might stand upon his guard, to beware of taking pritch or stomach at things, lest afterwards we conceive such hatred as may so harden us that there shall be no more means to appease us. Now hereupon St. Paul addeth another warning, as I have declared already, wherein he rebuketh the common vices that are contrary to the rule which our Lord giveth us, to the intent we should live as God's children, knowing whereto we be called. And now he speaketh of the deceits, robberies, and extortions that are committed when every man is too much wedded to himself, and hath no conscience of other men's harms. Let him then that stole, saith he, steal no more, but rather let him labour with his hands to do the things that are good and profitable, and wherewith he may succour such as have need. Now, whereas St. Paul speaketh here of theft, he meaneth not such thieves as men punish with whipping or hanging, but all manner of slights and crafts that are used to get other men's goods by evil practices, as extortions, briberies, and all other like things. Although then that such things be faced out, 
or else that they which are most guilty of them be not accused before men, because they can skill how to cloak their misdoings, yet doth St. Paul call them all thefts and robberies. And why? For the prophets and apostles spake not the ordinary manner of speech that is used in the courts of justice on earth, but had an eye to the judgment seat of God. For the thing that may be excused, yea, and peradventure well justified before men, shall not fail to be condemned there. For God seeth much clearer than mortal creatures. Again, favour or partiality may bear sway oftentimes in law matters, so as there shall be cloaking, dissembling, and covering, and the judges shall like well enough to have a napkin tied afore their eyes, that a man may have some starting hole to scape out at. They may oftentimes like well enough of such things, but it is not so with God. Wherefore, let us mark well that the forbidding of us to steal is not as the publishing of some statute law that belongeth to temporal policy, but we be called before the heavenly judge who discovereth the things that are hidden from men, and condemneth all wicked covetousness as theft, whereby we be moved to seek our own profit too much with the hindrance of our neighbour. To be short, under this word theft or stealing, St. Paul comprehendeth all the wicked practices that are used to deceive other men withal and also all extortions whereby men are fleeced of their goods and bereft of their substance. Now then, we see that there are thieves to be found of all degrees, for where there is not that man which is not busy in griping to himself, I mean of them which are not reformed by God's Spirit, although a merchantman be counted of good wealth, yet will he have stores of fetches and policies still, and they shall be as nets, laid for the simple sort, and such as have no experience, which perceive them not. In like case is it with handicraftsmen, for they have the skill to counterfeit their works in such wise as men shall be deceived by them. Again, as touching the price, there is no trusting to them, all is one to them, so they may sell their wares, for they think that it is lawful for them. Likewise do labourers and husbandmen, to be short, there is no state of men wherein there are not infinite faults and extortions to be seen, so as every man would gain and make himself strongest. If ye look upon the rich, and upon such as live of their rents, it is yet worse, for they flee off the skins of the inferior people, and of such as are unable to resist them. And yet before men, as I said, all of them do justify themselves, howbeit that is because they know not that God hath sounded here his trumpet to summon them before him, nor consider what manner of perfection and pureness must be brought unto him. So much the more, therefore, doth it stand us on hand to try not only all our outward deeds, but also all our wicked affections, whereby we be tempted to enrich ourselves beyond reason and equity. And St. Paul saith purposely, that he which hath stolen should steal no more, to show that there ought to appear such a change in our life when God hath once brought us home to himself by his gospel, as we may no more resemble the wretched unbelievers which walk in darkness, but consider that our Lord's enlightening of us is with condition that we should become new creatures. And herewithal we see the thing that I have touched already, namely that St. Paul speaketh not of the common thefts that are condemned and punished afore the world, for then it should follow that all had been thieves which had been converted to Christianity. But, as I said afore, he useth the word steal purposely, to make us to abhor all craftiness, malice, subtleness, and catching of other men's goods the more. For if it had been said, but thus, Use no more craft to deceive men, neither take ye leave to pull the things to you that are none of your own. He had not touched them so much to the quick which flatter themselves and seek to have some covert to cloak their vices withal, 
But when, as he saith, steal no more, it is to the end that we should think thus with ourselves. Alas, albeit that I would fain excuse myself, and to my seeming it were not done amiss of me, and men have bleared eyes, yet must I not rest upon that, for in the meanwhile my faults shall not fail to be registered before God, and I must be fain to yield an account of all things that have not been done according to the uncorrupt equity and right, and I must be taken for a thief before God, notwithstanding that all the world have quit me. But now let us see how well this doctrine is put in your. A man shall find that they which are converted to the gospel take most liberty to do evil, it would seem that a number have learned nothing else by the gospel but to busy themselves about pretty slights to entangle other men's goods. For there are to be seen, which used greater simplicity in the time that they were blind wretches, and knew nothing of God and of the pure doctrine of salvation, for they had at leastwise some uprightness and plain dealing to the worldward. But they have so profited backward in God's school, as they be far wilier than they were before in making their own advantage, and in taking more liberty, and in bearing themselves on hand, that all things are lawful for them. And therewithal they be so shameless in facing and bolstering out their doings, that they do but make a pot at it, and bear themselves on hand, that they have great wrong done them when they be blamed for the things that are apparently known to all men, and whereof even little children may be judges." So much the more, then, are we to be condemned, seeing that Paul telleth us here that although we enriched ourselves with craft and extortion, and made no conscience to rake other men's goods to us, before we had good teaching, yet at leastwise we should be well advised to walk more uprightly with our neighbours, now that we be enlightened by God's word. Ye see, then, that the thing which we have to bear in mind upon this text is that our Lord Jesus Christ's doctrine ought to rule us in such singleness as every of us may forbear his craftiness and subtleties. Furthermore, forasmuch as a number excuse themselves, saying, How shall I do then? For I have no trade to live by, unless I may follow still mine own manner of dealing. St. Paul saith, Let them labour. Let him that would make it excuse, that he hath not wherewith to find himself, except he may deceive and defraud. Let him, saith Paul, give himself to labouring with his hands, as if he said that men's dispensing with themselves under colour that they should then fast and endure many miseries and penuries is a trifling toy before god all those allegations are neither here nor there before god saith st paul for if any be afraid that he shall want let him not forbear to labour mark that for one point and here let us learn to leave these self-soothings wherewith a number of folks do bring themselves asleep who when they have said what shall i do do bear themselves on hand that God's mouth is stopped, and that he dares no more come nigh them, and they will needs be so privileged, that to their own seeming they be quite and clear, if they can allege for themselves, How then? Whereof shall I live? What shall I do, if I follow not my wonted trade? It seemeth to us that God is shut out of the gate, and that he hath no more authority to condemn us, when we have once alleged those things for ourselves. But that is but folly, saith St. Paul, we should rather scratch up the earth with our nails than offend God by doing wrong to our neighbours. The thing, then, whereunto he sendeth us back, is that when a man is grown rich and hath lived a long time at his ease by filching and stealing, that is to say, by petty fine slights and conveyances that are against equity and right, let him not be ashamed to abate his countenance and to labour for the getting of his living, albeit that he hath erst done nothing but sit still and gotten his living by devising mischief, Yet let him not be ashamed to labour and to take pain for his sustenance. 
to be short, St. Paul showeth us here that all unlawful gains must be left by such as call themselves Christians, and will be taken so to be. And this warning is as needful for us nowadays as ever it was for any, for besides that we must abstain from all subtlety and deceit, when God once calleth us to be his children, and will have us to maintain a brotherhood among ourselves, many of us also must give over our trades of living. For what a number of means to live upon are there in the popedom? But when we come before God, let us always remember this definitive sentence, which I have set down, namely that we consider how the case concerneth our not answering before an earthly judge, but before him which seeth all things, and before whom there is no cloaking of anything. Therefore let us think well upon it, seeing there are so many means excusable in popery, wherewith as good as a fourth part of the world is maintained, and yet are all of them not only unavailable, but also abominable before God. For, first of all, there be priests and monks, and all the rabble of cloisterers. Secondly, there are the hangers-on which live of them, and are, as it were, their waged men, which have some gain by them, and do skim off some part of their fat, by one means or other, under which covert there lurketh a very long tail that is turned in and out like a maze. Again, there are a great sort to be seen which give themselves all wholly to things that are nothing worth. True it is that, in this darkness of theirs, men see not very well, insomuch that black, as you would say, is turned into white. But yet, howsoever the case stand, there is no placard for men in this behalf, but every man must have an eye to this, that, as like as hitherto I have filched and polled to get my living, and have exercised some wicked practice or other which God condemneth by his word, seeing I have defiled myself in eating the bread which came not to me lawfully from the hand of God, as it should do, according to my asking of my daily bread of him, but by filching here and there. I must now henceforth change my copy, and learn to labour in such wise as I may truly say, that the thing which I have do come to me of God's blessing. That is the thing which we have to remember upon this lesson of St. Paul's, and it behoveth us to put it so much the better in Europe, considering that thievery is more rife nowadays in the world than ever it was, and yet notwithstanding a number of men do flatter themselves still in that behalf, because the belly will needs have the foredeal. When a man hath whereon to live, say they, and all things necessary besides, it is good reason that he should not exempt himself from God's word. But that we should starve for hunger, what order were in that, what rigour were it? Forasmuch then as we be so inclined to seek to be provided for by hook or by crook, without regarding what is lawful or unlawful, let us think the better upon the things that St. Paul telleth us here. And he proceedeth yet one degree further in this change, which he enjoineth upon all the faithful, which is that he telleth them they must not only abstain from defrauding other men, and from polling them of their goods, but also endeavour to succour such as have need. Although then that it seem over rough unto us to abstain from all evil, and that instead of living at our ease, as we be wont to do, and of having many commodities, we should be fain to scratch our living out of the earth with our nails, as they say, and to labour with great pain and travail, yea, and to fare very hardly. If, although, say I, that this seem right hard, yet must we go further, that when we have wherewith to get our living without using of wicked practices, we must now and then spare somewhat of that which God giveth us through his blessing to relieve the needy withal. Therefore let us not look whereto we be inclined, but let us consider that of our own nature we be so froward and wedded to our own profit, that every of us will needs be always well stored, 
and that forasmuch as we have so little regard of them that are members of the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, as well as ourselves, we must take pains to enforce ourselves to do them good, for that is a labour that will bring us to another. We must, say I, enforce all our affections, and thereupon employ ourselves earnestly and unfeignedly, that we may be able to protest that the bread which we eat cometh to us from God's hand, and that we be sustained by his goodness, as if it were by a father that candleth out every of his children their pittance. Then let us be at that point, and moreover, let us not think it enough to abstain from all craftiness, and from winding in of men by our fetches, and from catching of other men's goods, but let us labour to do good with the little which we have, and to succour such as have need. Howbeit St. Paul addeth here yet one circumstance more, which deserveth to be well noted, and that is, that he will have us to labour in the thing that is good. And why addeth he that? Let us consider what a number of trades, crafts, or occupations there are in the world which serve for nothing but corruption, and to toll in pence, as they say. Truly, men are not aware of it. And why? Because all men are contented that such as have wherewith should be prodigal to the intent that their money may fly abroad. Again, such as, to their own seeming, cannot get their living otherwise, are inventing of new devices every day to angle the money out of fools' purses, and of such as are so given to lightness. Again, they that have wherewith will needs set out themselves and be brave to the worldward, and that is the cause why the occupations and trades which serve but for pomp and superfluity, and for I wot not what niceness and allurements, and alonely to provoke folk to lewdness, will needs make men believe that there is nothing amiss in them. But St. Paul hath therefore set down a distinction here, for it is not enough when a man can say, Oh, I take pain, I have mine occupation, or I have such a trade, that is not enough. But he must see whether the same be good and profitable for the commonwealth, and whether his neighbours may fare the better by it. For ought not this to be the end, whereto all trades, occupations, and states do tend, and whereto they ought to refer themselves, namely that every man look to employ himself in something whereby he may do good? And for the same cause are we likened to the members of a body. Now then, as who should say that the hand should employ itself to the delighting of some other member, which notwithstanding should receive harm by it? By that means all the body should go to destruction." So then, inasmuch as we must always have before our eyes, that in what calling soever we live, God must go before us, as if he called us to him, and we follow the way that he showeth us by his word, surely he will never allow of any trade or occupation which is not behoofful and serviceable to the whole commonwealth, and redounding also to the profit of all men. Therefore, if a man use a trade or occupation which is to no purpose but to breed offences, or to besot men in their delicate delights, and to mar them utterly, or else to set out pomp excessively, as though men purposed even in despite of nature, to make havoc of the good things that God hath given us, it is certain that all those things are without the compass of godly vocations or callings, and that God doth utterly disallow them. Thou mayest well say, I have travailed in this or that. Yea, but thou hast served the devil. For like as the devil hath his martyrs, so hath he also his servants. We see how such as are given to superstition do martyr themselves without end or ceasing, and are, as you would say, stark mad upon them, and as good as out of their wits. And oftentimes the scripture also useth the same comparisons, to show how the devil casteth men quite out of their bounds, when he once possesseth them. Ye see then that many men torment themselves without reason, yea, but yet are they the devil's martyrs. 
Likewise, there are a great number that shall have taken much pain in some trade or occupation to get their living, and yet if a man look to what purpose it serveth, he shall find it to be nothing but infection and filthiness, and that it serveth but to nourish pride and superfluity. To be short, it is an open provoking of God, and a wasting and misspending of the things that God hath given, with commandment to use them soberly and stayedly. No marvel, therefore, though St. Paul have set down this distinction. And therefore let every man look diligently to himself, and when fathers are minded to set their children to any trade or occupation, let them not look, as the common custom is, which may be most gainful, but let them match these two things together, namely, when they have considered by what trade their son may best get his living, and provide for himself and his household, when he cometh to be married, therewith let him also look that he serve his neighbour's turns, and that the use of his craft or mystery may redound to the common profit of all men. The thing then which fathers must have respect unto in setting their children to trades and occupations is not to be forepossessed with regard how they may most gain, but how they may always be held in order, that they swerve not one way nor other. For when our lusts do so carry us away, that we can no longer spy a little gain, but we be by and by snatching at it, it is all one as if we shook hands with Satan, yea, and these things become as baited hooks that he casteth for us and like as a hungry fish will soon be taken and the food that she wrought at costeth her full dear so fareth it with these incitements of satan when men have no further forecast but thus ho such a man gained well by such a trade and great profit may be made of it he steppeth to it at all adventure and never makes bones at it to scan or consider whether it be right or wrong but as i said afore is choked and ever he come to that consideration so much the more, therefore, doth it stand us on hand to mark well what St. Paul saith here, namely that when men be desirous to get their living, they must bethink themselves advisedly, and not bear with themselves in doing of things, because they be customably done of others, and no fault found with them among men, but consider that they have to do with God, and that it is He before whom we must make our account. Again, let us have good eye to the thing that is told us here, that is to say, to the succouring of the needy for st paul intended to warn us in one word that our lord in setting poor folks before us intendeth to try what we be namely whether there be kindness in us or whether we be cruel like wild beasts and it is a thing also that ought to move us to compassion and for the same cause when the scripture speaketh of doing alms besides that it useth the word mercy it saith also that our bowels ought to be moved when we see our brethren in need ye see then that the sight of our neighbours' necessities ought to provoke us to liberality and to relieve them. Let us not tarry till they cry out for hunger, nor till we be enforced, nor till shame compel us, but let every of us think, Hath this man need? Hath God set him before me? Hath he made me to know it? It is enough. For it is even as much as if he summoned me, and sent me his receivers or rent-gatherers to take up his revenues, like as they that have revenues and rents send their men to demand them and gather them up, so our Lord requireth of us that we should pay him his tributes, that is to say the homage money that we owe him in acknowledgment that the things which we possess come from him and even of his mere free gift. He sendeth us neither sheriffs nor serians, but the poor, and that ought to suffice us, for they be his true receivers, and that is, to the end we should not be loath to give them. The cause why their necessity is set before our eyes is to the end we should be touched with pity and compassion, and thereupon be inclined to do good. 
So then let us mark that the sum of the things here spoken is, first, that we should forsake all manner of trades to live by, which are not agreeing to God's word, assuring ourselves that we shall always be taken for thieves before him if we use any wicked trades, and that although we have good assurance that our calling is good and lawful, yet must we use it in such wise as there be not any ravening craft or deceit in it. Mark that for one point. Again, let us understand that there is no excuse for us before God, insomuch that although we allege famine, poverty, or necessity, all that will not serve to acquit us, but that we must set our hand to labor, that we may earn our living lawfully and forbear to profit ourselves by other men's loss. Finally, besides, as it were, the binding up of our hands from doing any man wrong and from using any pretty shifts and slights to get other men's goods, let us have a regard to do good. Yea, and let us have a special care to succour such as want, howbeit so as it be with the things that God hath given us of our own. For those are the offerings and sacrifices which we must make unto him in acknowledgment of his benefits. And we know that alms deeds are called sacrifices. Therefore, when we do them, we must protest with an unfeigned and true-meaning heart that we come to do homage to God for the things that we hold of him, and if there be any thefts in our hands, it is certain that our sacrifices shall be unclean, and our alms-deeds shall be turned into loathsomeness. Then let every man beware that he do not pill and pull with the one hand, to give of it anon after with the other, but let every of us have both our hands clean. Neither let us have a double heart, but labour with all uprightness to earn our living in such wise, that if God send us any profit by it, we may take it as his free gift." And in good sooth, Moses also forbiddeth us to father any piece of our gain upon our own running, or upon the labour of our hands. For God will have us to be beholden to him for all. Therefore, when we do any alms, let it be with this protestation, not only with mouth, but also in heart and deed, namely that, according as our Lord hath showed himself liberal unto us, and bestowed upon us, and given us over and above wherewith to serve our own need, we be willing to do him homage with it, and let us show indeed that we intend not to keep to ourselves the things that he hath given us, but do put them to the use whereto he hath ordained them, that is to say, to the relieving of those that have need of them. Now let us fall down before the majesty of our good God, with acknowledgment of our faults, praying him to make us feel them better, so as we may be sorry for them, and ask him forgiveness of them, and profit more and more in his fear, that being withdrawn from our fleshly affections we may continue in his fear and love, to the intent to profit more and more in the keeping of his holy commandments. And so let us all say, Almighty God, Heavenly Father, etc. End of Sermon 31